So I want to become a dog trader. Oh, yeah? But when I look, I just don't know who to join. Yeah. It's a sea of acronyms, and it appears to be unregulated. <laughs> I want to know my money is well spent with me joining a team of dynamic, ethical professionals who have the same goals as me. I also want to be taught using the most up-to-date, science-led data. So where do I go? You heard of Pat? It's a place to go to become the most knowledgeable, skilled, ethical, science-based dog training instructor you can be. It's also one of the few organisations good enough to be a member of the Animal Behaviour and Training Council. The Professional Association of Canine Trainers, PACT for short, is here to help you become the best accredited dog trainer you can be. PACT gonna help you reach your goals. PACT is the place you need to go. Oh, PACT if you love dogs like we do too. PACT we are indeed the place for you. PACT it's time to take that leap of faith. PACT delay no further while you wait. Come find us at packed-dogs.com. Are you looking for the ideal gift for the dog-loving children in your family? Jack and Billy Puppy Tales is a delightful story with an important message for children of all ages. It's written by Steve Goodall and Sally Bradbury. You'll follow two puppies, Jack and Billy, during that all-important first year of their lives. It's had some amazing reviews from some of the top dog trainers in the world. Dr Ian Dunbar, veterinary behaviourist, says... I started to smile after only four pages. I couldn't put it down and at the end I could barely read for tears of happiness. This is a wonderful book. Karen Tong, dog training instructor and child dog bite prevention educator, said this. This will definitely educate both children and adults about the correct way to bring up a puppy. It belongs in the home of all dog lovers and anyone considering acquiring a puppy. You can find us at jackandbillypuppytails.com and join the adventures. We're also on Facebook, Jack and Billy Puppy Tales. See you soon. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop till we're gone. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together. Barks from the bookshop, we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop. Hey, hello, 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 everybody. Episode five. Yes, five. I always forget. I always do that at the start. I go episode like a question and then wait for you to tell me. What episode it is, and what to check if I can still count? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Can I, I? I can at the moment. I've done an annoying thing before where I I do the little the little posters for Facebook where it's like you know episode number four. Well, the memes. And I got the the number wrong. Oh yeah, you and did. I had to go back in yeah. and redo it. It's a real pain. 
Anyway, just can't you know, get this stuff. Steve's these problems. Days. Let's not talk about Steve's problems. Yeah. How have you been? I've been all right. How have you been? I've been all right. What you been doing in the rain? Uh, I uh, I tell you what I have been doing. What? I unblocked a drain. <laughs> oh my god! Got full on adult. Wow! Check did that you put? Out. Did you what a brute? Yeah. Is that a bruise or it's is bruise. it part of the drain material that you, you were unblocking? That's a bruise. Is Look that at how it. far your arm was That's down the drain? How I was that deep in schmuck. Oh. Did you wear a big glove like when no, people I, deliver cars? I went barehanded. Uh, I, I got uh, my. <laughs> are you sure you want to share this story? I got well. First of all, I got the right equipment, so I had rod. So what you need is some rods. I right, found out. Yeah, yeah. Hang on a minute. You need rods because of that company called Dynarod. Yeah, that's what they do, isn't it? So you get your rods, right? Yeah. Okay, and then you um, and then you put them together. They screw together. Yeah. And you got a, you got a rod down the drain, right? And then you got to twist it to the right as you're rodding. What if you go left? <laughs> oh, they come undone. Oh. Because they screw up. So you don't so want to leave, that, don't you leave your rods the in the drain. No, 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 no. I was so that. But, but the problem was the rods I got, too, too stiff. <laughs> anyway, so I got a smaller so you used, rod. So you used so your arm instead. I used my dad's rod. <laughs> This was, was not so. Anyway, cut a long story short. Yeah. I did have to put my arm down there and I pulled out a bit. It was a lot of leaves. Right. And some rice. <laughs> and what I can only describe as. I don't know what the other stuff was. But anyway, it's all done now. It's was all it clear. Goop? It was goop. And I felt really adult when I done it. Well done. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. Um, just a note for the future um, when I've unblocked drains like that I've I've worn a dustbin bag on my arm okay and it's quite useful because I mean okay. you're not you're not that close to the oh, just get to it the done innit just get it yeah. done just go you know, well, well done you'll be living off that for a couple of months then will you it all washes off <laughs> and actually this week Friday is my bath day so <laughs> good so glad I'm shut in a room with you for the next hour <laughs> what have you been up to sister behaviourista uh, anything as exciting to? as that do you know what? You've trumped it with the drain story, so mm. I'm not even going to bother. Um, <laughs> no, I, d- I did a webinar for the APBC. Oh, I, they... know, I, didn't, I didn't watch it. I've got yet I to know. watch it. Yeah, so hopefully uh, lots of people did watch it. Um, so thank you if you're one of those. And if you haven't, um, at the moment it's only available for uh, members of the APBC, but it's hopefully going to be more widely available. And when it is, we'll post a link. Yeah. But it was good. It was nice to talk about my Draxy dog. Um, and uh, hopefully help some people out there that are working with other shutdown rescue dogs mm-hmm. and, um, you know, pay it forward. Because, of course, you're appearing at the uh, APBC conference, Annual conference yeah. as well, aren't you? Oh, my goodness. So is that this like a sort of dry, sort of rehearsal-y type dry run for that? Or yeah. Or different mean, thing altogether, I guess? Webinars are always weird because you don't get anything off the audience at all, you know, no. good or bad. Because, yeah. you know, when you're doing a talk, if people are starting to fall asleep or they're on their phone, you can kind of pep them up a bit. Mm. Um, or, you know, it's nice to have a bit of positive reinforcement of people smiling and nodding along and you go, woohoo, I'm doing this, it's good. Um, Whereas you don't get any of that with a webinar um so but it was good there was a little chat window so i knew people were there which was nice nice, yeah so now i just gotta put my um big girl pants on and prepare for the proper conference well i'm going so i'll be in the audience (laughs) yeah you will i better wave i'll be a friendly face Uh, that'd be brilliant if you could just have a gin and tonic ready for me the second (laughs) i step off stage that would be amazing thank you second i wake up We've also had loads of storms, haven't we? Yeah. We've had storm after storm. It's beginning to get a bit boring, I'll be honest. We've had storm Gary, 
Storm Farquhar, <laughs> Storm Fitzgerald. There was an Irish one, Kiara, Kari, Kiara. Yeah. I don't know how you say it. I'm sorry to all It's the terrible, Irish and my field is like a swamp, and I'm done with it. So if anyone's got any sort of power over the weather out there, yeah, that would be nice that if would you be could good. Uh, do a do a wee sun dance. Although I am noticing up our field lots of lots of life springing up, so that's really yeah. exciting. I love this time of year when little buds come out, and and you can see as you look across what's normally the the brown sort of dead wood of the trees you can start to see this green haze forming yeah and it's really we've nice. got blossom at the field and yeah, i saw my first hair the other day oh so. i've never seen a hair haven't you no oh, i've gosh. never seen a hair i've ne- i don't think i've seen i think i've seen a badger's behind but i've never seen a fo- not enough to go i've seen a badger okay well uh, i can't badger's trickier than a hair i can take you to see a hair We'll take me to see your hair. Yeah, I'll take you to see your hair. It's my birthday soon. Okay, I'll take you to see your hair. Is this going to be like when we do it? Can we do it on a nice day, though? Yeah, of course. Okay, good. Of course, of course, of course. Um, I've got something really funny to play you quickly. (laughs) I did something accidentally. Oh, I I do get to hear it, do I? Yeah, I accidentally... Are you going to keep it for your own collection of weird (laughs) noises? This is... uh, So I was doing a bit of editing earlier on, and I've got a function on my editor which which can either speed things up or slow things down. It's good for music, not so great for voices, and I accidentally filtered Nat's voice through it, and my (laughs) voice through it. But this is hilarious. Check this out. This is brilliant. This is Nat. But I know I do it as well. Um, I've got kids, but um, my dogs keep me busy enough. But when it's a lovely day and I want to get a picture of all four of them, as Drax is at home, you know, Lord of the Manor asleep, um, and I want to get a picture of all four of them, and they're getting frustrated. I'm going to turn that off. I could listen to that all time. I sound like a really dodgy caller on a f- local radio phone in. Oh, I'm going to have that as my alarm in the morning. Oh, no. I'll get up in a, I'll get up in a good mood every day. <laughs> oh, dear. Thanks for that, Steve. There you go, folks. Yeah. That's free of charge. <laughs> if you enjoy your day. So, uh, what have we got today then? Oh dear. <laughs> I don't know, what are, we, what are we talking about? We are talking about um, WAG, The Science of Making Your Dog Happy by Zazie Todd. Yes. Uh, it's um, what a book. And when I say what a book, what a book as well. It is huge. It's hefty. I mean, we, we're going we're gonna to go into some of the topics in that. It is the amount of stuff in it. It's almost like anything you could want to know about making dogs happy yes. and the science behind it. And that's crucial here, I think, the science behind it, because this book is packed, chocked, full of science. Yeah, but understandable science. So yes. Zazie's Steve done a science. really good job. Steve science. Yes. Really good job of making it um, user-friendly. Yes, yes. So she's looked at all the the research and, you know, the journals and uh, different studies and she's put them together in a lovely compendium of doggy happiness. It's worth saying as well, this is the first book we've had as an advanced reader's copy. Yeah. So it made us feel very important when we got sent that. So thank you very much, Zazie and her publishers for sorting that out for us. Yeah, thanks, guys. So we've had our faces in this book before anyone else in the world. (laughs) Well, not not anyone else in the world, but it's due out on... uh, well, we're releasing this on it on its release date, which I think is March the eighth. So yes. go out. You should be able to go out and get it now yeah. if you haven't already ordered it. Yeah. So uh, fantastic stuff. So without further ado, here we go. Let us delve inwards. Why read it? Well, firstly, uh, why read it? Well, as we said in the beginning, it's pretty comprehensive account of everything you're ever going to need it's a good thing to have on your bookshelf definitely oh god yes definitely without a doubt just to refer back to it 
Um, I mean, almost every facet of dog life is included in this book. Yeah, there's a bit in there for everyone, really. Whereas some of the books we've looked at have been very specific about, Certain you know, things, something yeah. in in particular. Um, this is a, a real catch-all, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, complete catch-all, complete catch-all. And uh, and one of the bits that I love about it is at the end of each section. So, for example, there's a section on dogs and children, which we'll be talking about a little bit later on. Um, at the end they they have always have the how to apply the science at home so little things that you can do little tips you can do there's great bits all through it there's a brilliant bit about um dog play and what you should be looking out for when your dog's playing with other dogs and there's a great passage i might get to it later actually so i'm not spoiling myself as i go into it (laughs) but that's that's one of the reasons that i absolutely think people should read this book Definitely. Yeah, each each chapter is really well set out, isn't it? And then the how to apply the science at home is is the end of the chapter, which yeah. is kind of covers our practical applications, doesn't it? Um, and the other thing that it covers neatly is um, the the foreword has actually done our job for us, <laughs> yeah, Steve. So <laughs> I'm just going to read this out um, from from the front of the book. So um, this is Marty Becker uh, writing. If like me, you care about dogs' emotional welfare, you will want to read this book. WAG is scientifically accurate and beautifully written, a rare blend of science and soul. Read on to find out how WAG can help you have an even happier dog. There, there we go. go. That's why. Enough said, book slam moment now. Indeed. Hang yeah. on, hang on. Nicely done. Yeah. No, <laughs> oh, you pricked my eye. I'll tell you what's pricked my eye this week uh the section on uh dogs and children Kids. yeah I've, I've been doing a lot of uh one-to-ones recently um with really really nice people that that uh, have either got me in before they've got a puppy or i've got me in because we've got a bit of puppy biting in children and you know oh, nice. how do i deal with it and it's which tricky is, isn't it it's a tricky um family is. situation sometimes i always find some people seem a bit shell-shocked when you start talking about sort of the management side of things yeah because um, i think what tends to happen is we sort of just cross our fingers and hope it'll all go okay and maybe we start calling in professionals when when things are going a bit wrong or when you think oh my god i've bitten off a bit more than i can chew here for want of a better expression <laughs> yeah, um, or the dog has <laughs> yeah yeah which is understandable completely I'm, I'm not i'm not judging anyone but that that that's why i love it when i get like um what we call pre-puppy consultations i love that yeah because things tend to go a lot easier and a lot better well, you're, when people s- you're setting everyone up to succeed then aren't exactly, you because you've yeah. got everything in place for when little pupster arrives yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, yeah i i love this section i mean it's it's brilliant very comprehensive um and i just wanted to go through some of the things that uh that came up in there i thought it was really interesting um I found out in there that more than half of children with pets describe dogs as their favourite animal. I thought that's quite oh, sweet. That's sweet. And, there, and there's obviously lots and lots of benefits from having kids and dogs together. Yeah. I think we can, we, well, I know I do for sure. It's sort of air on the side of caution. And, you know, we talk about being Debbie Downers and fun sponges <laughs> yeah, a lot of exactly. the time, don't we? When we go in and we're just like, oh, everyone needs to be separated. And yeah. obviously we're not, we're not trying to do it in too much of a clinical environment. We do that for, for safety reasons. But, you know, um, I think some of the benefits are that you know children can provide lots of stimulation for a dog, so isn't in the right way. Um, exercise for a dog. Um, they talk in the book about um, kids building like obstacle courses for dogs to yeah. go through and hiding treats and things along those lines. That's really really nice. So so kids and dogs can play together. Of course they can. It it's can just w- has yeah, to be the can, right way. It can work 
in blissful harmony. I mean, with moments of of chaos, I'm sure. Um, I guess, yeah, maybe we see the 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 sort of sharp end a lot of the time, don't we? When there is an issue, which especially maybe me with more behaviour work that I get involved in, yeah. I tend to be sort of swooping in after it a bite has happened or something has, yeah. has occurred um, and we're kind of trying to backtrack. Um, so it is easy to forget that actually it's really nice for yeah. everyone involved yeah. if you've got the right relationship. And um, it can be brilliant for kids to not then be magnetised to dogs. Yeah. So, you know, some of the cases I've seen, um, the the actual kids in the home are pretty like, dog you know, because he's there all the time and it's when they have friends over from school maybe that there might be issues because they desperately want a dog and they want to be friends with the dog and, you know, maybe haven't got the experience of how to greet that dog or play with them appropriately. I read an interesting passage where you're talking about kids sort of being about dogs but also uh, dogs tend to shy away from children that are around six months to three years old. Mm because they're, that's when they become mobile, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. start wandering around, you know, toddling about. And you can imagine how, how sort of scary that could be for a dog. Suddenly this yeah. tiny little human being uncomfortably waddling towards them, might fall over at any point, unpredictable, yep. all of those sorts of things. Makes noises. Yeah. Smells funny. Yeah. Steals its but, toys. But might have some food attached to its face, so, you <laughs> it's know. It's always got food attached to it somewhere, yeah. <laughs> And I think that, that that's the issue, isn't it? The way that kids want to play with dogs and the way that dogs would play with children, those two things don't yeah. don't mould well together a lot of the time. You know, children's faces are quite close to where dogs' mouths are. Yeah. Necks, heads, all of that sort of stuff is around that sort of area. And they're, they're the things that, you know, that, that when we're talking about management, um, that's the sort of things you need to be aware of. But that being said, I think like with really good management in the house things can go really well when when i talk about management i think i i always say to people if you've got children you should be actively supervising your dog and when i say actively supervising that's that means literally watching them like a hawk if you've got the time to watch them you've got the space to watch them there's no you know hidden places where they can get away and move away if you can't do that manage the situation split them up stair gates pens for the dog or the kids, <laughs> crates for the kids. Some more socially acceptable than others. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is that the sort of thing that you'd advise as well? Yeah, definitely. I think it's it's easy to think you're supervising when you're in the room, mm. um, but you can be physically present, but maybe not mentally present. So it's you know, and also maybe not um, have the skills to see something building. Yeah, because if you haven't got the kind of early warning um, identification toolkit with your dog being uncomfortable, um, then your dog is going to have to shout quite loud to say, hang on, there's a toddler coming towards me. And then it's all, you know, panic stations and running across the room. Whereas if you see that head turn and that lip lick and you can go, come on then, out we go, in your crate with a chew. Yeah. Um, Head it off at dog, the not child. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, definitely. Um, if there isn't management in place, then it just makes everybody's life so much easier because everyone can relax at least for certain points of the day, and then come together as a family when everyone's nice and chilled. It's interesting what you say there about sort of the early warning signals because knowing that your dog is getting anxious can really, really help. And something else I read in uh, in. Zazie's book as well which which kind of surprised me a little bit maybe you, you already knew this I don't know but 
that people who who don't own dogs, mm. not so familiar with them, are better at picking up on the signs that dogs are anxious than people that do own dogs. Okay. A little study done. It wasn't done on an amazing amount of people. I think about two hundred people. But a little study was done, and yeah, that was that was the outcome. I wonder, yeah, wonder that why is that is. Well, I wonder whether it'd be interesting to look at whether that is. Um, because there's an emotion involved in mm. in our in our dogs yeah. and we kind of um and and this is where I'm Debbie Downer sometimes because people will say oh yeah he's fine with kids or fine with the hoover or whatever and I say okay well show me and then I go oh he's not fine yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so three times I, you said fine I know, it's I a know. Fun, don't get the fine fine I know the fine fine <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah I just um I wonder how much is involved in that with us us putting our hopes yeah. on our on our dogs really yeah and we're quite intu- we, we we do a lot of, with intuition don't we mm. um as well around it whereas we don't i don't think we you know oh my dog wouldn't hurt a fly oh, they yeah, yeah, do, yeah. you know all of this kind of stuff because you don't want to think they would yeah. yeah and i don't think that helps dogs very much so we don't look at it very scientifically do we we don't look at we're not observing body language we're just sort of like hoping yeah Fingers crossed and hoping. So what are some of the signs? Come on, let's first throw around some of the signs that your dog might be getting anxious. I mean, you mentioned lip licking there. That's, uh, that's Yeah, lip licking. If they're trying to find a place of safety. So yeah. if they're continuously moving around or pacing and mm-hmm. they're stuck um, in a situation. I mean, I do, I do similar behaviour when there are toddlers around. I'm yeah. looking for a high place <laughs> away from the noise. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah... Basically, behaviours that are likely to lead up to a growl or a bite. Because I think in a lot of um, situations, and maybe it's because people are busy and they're, you know, trying to juggle lots of stuff, that actually it's only when you hear something or someone goes, ow, he bit me, that's when everybody kind of notices. And so um, I guess if your dog is kind of being quiet and out of the way, maybe it's easy to forget. Yeah. how they might be feeling um and also i think maybe um if you haven't trained your dog to be okay with being upstairs in another room or behind a baby gate yeah. or in a crate really then you you kind of you're you're a bit stuck because uh, the option the other option is to shut your dog away and then then bark because they're missing out on all the social fun but then they're not really that comfortable in the social fun yeah so you kind of haven't got many options there um but with a little bit of training um then you can kind of open up those options and if there are times when the kids are going to be running around in the garden then that's a good time for your dog to have a chew upstairs for yeah. example you know yeah yeah I mean, obviously all of that training beforehand can be really really beneficial mm. um or you could also go back to episode one and buy Turid Rigas's book Indeed. Indeed. about um calming signals and yeah, then and you can the look at all the you things can... you can look for yeah yeah, yeah. that's um that's a really good way of doing it um so I think that going through some of the ways that I, I like to say to people, sort of active supervision, safe space for the dog. Yep, definitely. Um, something that I can't remember where I read this, so sorry if I'm not crediting someone or if someone's told told me this, but I've forgotten. But I thought it was a really great idea where they got the kids involved with making signs for when the dog was eating and when the dog was sleeping and they could put the sign up, you know, Jas- oh, Jasper nice. is sleeping, leave him alone. Jasper yep. is eating, leave him alone. Uh, and that really, because they got involved in making the signs, it really made the kids yeah. understand it as well. And I thought that's a really nice way of getting them involved in doing things along those lines. Um, it's clear direction, isn't it? Yeah. And to be honest, um, I mean, 
adults can do with that as well. So sometimes when I'm working with, you know, stranger danger cases um, or visitors to the home, um, just putting a bowl down and saying to the people, put a treat in the bowl as you walk past is a lot clearer and less likely to lead to conflict than saying throw the dog a treat because they'll invariably throw the dog a treat and then drop it and then go to pick it up and then put it in the dog's mouth and then pat the dog on the head to say, yeah. well done. Whereas if you say, put the treat in the bowl. Clear. Um So, yeah, having really clear communication and involving people in the process is a really good way of um, uh, increasing education and yeah. compliance, really. That's what it's all about. Indeed. It certainly is. Indeed. So that pricked my eye. Is that what you've got on your list? That was that was lots. It's good. Oh, I've got lots on my list. I'm telling you, yeah. And again, that that is one section of this book, yeah. the dogs and children thing. And I I, t- I took lots from that. Um, that. You know, there's so many, so many bits in the book. It's I well guess you it. must see quite a lot of families coming through puppy classes as well. Yes. So, um, you you're very welcoming of kids in puppy classes, mm-hmm. aren't you? So I think it's important to get them involved as well. A lot of the time they're great as well. Mm. It, it, it's really beneficial. I mean, obviously we always ask that, you know, kids aren't running around touching dogs and doing all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. But it's nice for the, I think, the puppies to have little people in the room as well, as long as they're predictable and not running all over the place and screaming yeah. and stuff. That's that's um, that's always been really good. And I've always found it, it's it been a benefit most of the time. Yeah. I've never found it hasn't, um, along with puppy training. I like to always encourage people to bring kids along if they've got them, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's all good. And they're not just finding random children in the streets. <laughs> yeah, don't just don't snatch them up and bring them to a puppy class. <laughs> I think that's frowned on. I think it, it is. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. Like I said, I don't have children. I don't have any rules. Yeah, you might have picked up that me and Nat haven't got kids. So uh, <laughs> if there's any child trainers out there, you can do a podcast and we'll, we'll download that one. We will. We'll learn something. <laughs> awesome. So have you got a prick to my I eye then? Got, I have got a prick my to my eye. My sister behaviourista. Um, and I'm kind of uh, torn between... Um, two really but i'm gonna go with um uh, one from the vets and grooming section Uh which is um something that i'm really keen uh to work with and i have lots of clients that i have to often i um don't necessarily see the client for a a vet and grooming issue but one of my questions on my new client form is how does your dog react to the vet and sometimes if there's some general anxiety they're also quite difficult to examine at the vet okay um so it's quite an important part um and It basically states that the importance of relationship between client and vet is another thing that came out of this research. Belshaw recommends that if you find a vet you like, you should stick with them. If not, it's worth shopping around to find someone you trust with opening hours and a location that works for you. Yeah. And I think that the success that I've had in cases where um, we've been able to improve the handleability of that dog uh to go through a, a pretty much stress-free um examination has been when we've worked with the same vet and it's so easy nowadays because a lot of practices have lots of different vets that you, a dog could get to three years old with no, never seeing the same vet yeah um and so i think it's it's really important that people see their veterinary professional as um someone that they want their dog to build a relationship with yeah um and you know for routine appointments 
there's no reason why you couldn't wait that bit longer to see your particular vet and yeah. you know be signed over to them with a case but i think that maybe a lot of people don't do that i don't i don't know it's not it doesn't seem to be standard practice i don't know whether you think that's true or i think i think the the vet from what i know vet interactions with vets seems to be vastly different there seems to be a massive spectrum of, mm. of people having good experiences bad experiences um and i i don't think people understand they can change vets yeah it's a bit like sort of insurance companies isn't it as well yeah. like you know you can you get a better deal if you shop around but yeah it's not always about money obviously but it's about the, the care you get i know you're always talking about whitely vets yeah they're there. really they're <laughs> yeah. really good in what in in whitely vets and they're very um understanding of my neuroses <laughs> <laughs> well what do you what do you think what what, you, what are you looking for in a vet then what's your what what, what would you like to see um i would like to see um my vet asked me questions about my animal and what might um make the appointment go smoothly yeah i would like to see them asking things like uh, are they better if i examine them on the floor before just hoiking them up onto a table yeah um and this isn't a a dig at vets at all because you know they do a fantastic job um and uh, more and more I'm working with vets that are massively behaviourally savvy and yeah. you know they want to refer cases on they want to work with me on um, cases which is, is just brilliant to see so it's I guess dream, just to know yeah, yeah and what I'm looking for is an openness to work collaboratively have you ever heard of uh, what's his name Dr Chris Packle Packle, Packle? yes yes. He, um, he did a podcast I think it was on Nick Benjers actually um, oh yeah I would have heard of him through you actually because it's about podcasts so and he was yeah he was really good and he's got a practice where they have so they they, obviously he's a veterinary behaviorist i believe um but then they have a team underneath him of trainers that they employ within the vet so anything that gets passed further on his whole practice has got this whole like route through you know right down with groomers and everything and and i thought that that sounds amazing that is the dream that is the dream to be involved in, in an outfit like that where everything just flows through it and you all know you're doing the right thing and everyone can refer to one another and yeah i think that's brilliant yeah and talking of flowing through the other dream would be if i could design veterinary practices Mm. because oh my goodness uh, there's so much we could do one-way systems you you know um outdoor uh examination areas it it, there's so much that could be done i understand why it's it's money and business rates and all that kind of stuff um but i think uh, you know your your dog's veterinary experience starts from the minute they get out of the car yeah and sometimes the waiting room is is not necessarily set up particularly well um for dogs that might already be a, a nervous wreck there's one thing i'd like to change um not for everyone of course again there's some fantastic people out there doing it but quite often i see things go wrong with like vet puppy parties yeah where the room's too small you've got a confident dog and not confident dog yeah and, you know and just mismatched aren't forced they forced to not forced but you know left to interact and then one gets really scared and you know i, I think sometimes they those see, i mean obviously i understand why they can do it and it can be of benefit sometimes but can also see these things going wrong as well you yeah. know sometimes but yeah I, I i think you know um i get i get there's it there's a better as well. way of doing it yeah there is yeah. and and i i get the thought processes behind it because you think well if these dogs come here at an early age and they have a good experience then that set them up to enjoy the vets for the rest of their lives and and yeah that the the theory is sound but in practice it doesn't always work that way and i also think um you know 
would we be better off teaching vet type behaviors in the vet environment rather yeah. than play yeah. type behaviors yeah. because I, I actually went along to a couple of pet, uh, pet vet puppy parties and when we were there it was all about so they were doing things like teaching sits and doing stuff like that yeah. which i thought you know not not once did they take them into the examination rooms like yeah. give them some treats for jumping on the scales or yeah. i thought you're really missing a trick here you're really get the I was just, like, just had to shut up and sit in the corner because <laughs> i just um, and, you know asked if they didn't mind me coming on so i could observe and it's yeah, all of those things that you know you want to get your dog used to it it's not about it doesn't really matter about them meeting the other dogs they yeah. can be in a room with the other dogs and not necessarily even have to meet them so nothing goes wrong but all of those things yeah you know it's worth their weight in gold at that age yeah i saw a really good talk at the action conference last year yeah. um that uh, pact put on and i oh, forgive me i can't remember the lady's name she was brilliant though um and she had loads of videos of the kind of introductions they do to puppies in her veterinary mm. practice and it was amazing yeah you know, things like airfield syringes where you're just, you know, yeah. playing with them or feeding them baby food through it or, yeah. you know, um, just things that can then make the rest of your dog's life a lot Muzzle easier. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I could talk about this all day. Oh, yeah, completely. <laughs> and, you know, I've got a couple of behaviourist friends that I know are, are really passionate about husbandry techniques as yeah. well. And um, I, actually, I was, I was speaking to um, a couple of them yesterday and they're actually equine behaviorists and you think well you've you've got an even tougher job because there's no way you can just grab a horse and do what you need to you know um, i don't know if you've seen these muscles <laughs> obviously you could dr drain <laughs> <laughs> but um, no it's it's really really important and it's one of those things that maybe is isn't a problem until it is yeah. and so people don't put in the the work beforehand and i'm guilty of that too you know i've seen some great husbandry stuff on facebook recently actually um i was talking about hannah um oh hannah, yeah well, she that. might be listening while she's she running hello hannah. hello hannah thank you for your lovely comment that yeah, you made the other day but she um she's put a couple of videos up of some husbandry stuff she's done getting her dogs used to veterinary care and stuff and they've been really inspiring and oh, good. you know i think i think there's loads of great stuff out there it's yeah. kind of it's quite a buzzy thing at the moment husbandry yeah i'm certainly going to step up what we've been doing with penny um uh, in terms of nail clipping and oh yeah I'm, and... i've got to go back to basics at the moment with fishy dog um, <laughs> for nail clipping so bless him um yeah it's it and it is it can seem a kind of long journey but actually if you just do a little bit each day yeah and, you know, yeah those little two it. minutes really add up i think yeah. that, i think that's a that's a message I, I think getting out to people is so important that one because you think I think sometimes think oh I'm gonna to have to be 45 minutes of training today yeah. so that you just sack it off yeah when when as you know, a couple of minutes a day yeah adds up massively it really yeah. does just something every day just you know when you've got when the kettle's boiling or you know yeah. or whatever you know it really does add up there indeed. you go eyes pricked indeed eyes pricked and a couple of ways of making your dog happier which is what this book is all about which is good talk about happy that leads us very nicely into Whoa! It's the Greg Wallace moment. <laughs> Ooh, there's old Greg. Love it. I wonder if anyone uh, googled Greg Wallace. Oh yeah, we didn't have any comments. I didn't, didn't see any. Let's assume everyone knows who Greg is. Well, let's assume that our uh, and Greg, our if you're in out joke there. has gone out there. Oh yeah, we need to we need to tag him on Twitter or something, don't uh, we? Maybe he could do a soundbite for us. Oh my goodness, that would be amazing. I wonder if he's got dogs. Good point. Get him on as a guest. Yeah. 
I've got a plan for getting people that haven't written books on the podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. I'll talk to you later about it. Okay. Secret and, squirrel. And the pub. Okay. Uh, right. Greg Wallace moment. Things you should take away from this book. There's a lovely um, section called The Social Dog, talking about dogs, how they play, how they interact. There's a particular part of this. This actually is in the How to Apply the Science at Home section of that book on page 109. And this is it. This is the passage I wanted to read out. So if your dog likes to play but has poor play skills, don't let them bully or irritate other dogs. Work with a good dog trainer to teach them better play skills. A great recall, coming when called, can help to call the dog out from play when they are becoming too much for the other dog. You may have to work really hard to get such a good recall. Ain't that true? Um, (laughs) Bullies may need to be taken home from the play session promptly when they transgress and then wait to try again later on another day. The reason that I I picked that, I mean, again, loads of stuff in here, but particularly picked that one was because I see that all the time. Oh my goodness, yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's fast becoming the sort of the, the bane of dog walking life out there. I mean, I'm really lucky, you're really lucky, we've got our own fields that we've got access to where we yeah. can walk our dogs and know that they you know they're not gonna get bothered by other dogs. But We're like people, invite only, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. But people that are out on the front line I mean I still take Penny out a lot in 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 normal places, but I found the sort of places where you know, and the times of day where mm. we don't seem to get bothered by that many people that are just, you know, got their faces in their phone while their dog's jumping all over our dog. Or Yeah. And it, seriously, I think I, I started to sort of have these fantasies about doing a, a crowdfunding public service announcement advert on television <laughs> where you could just get this idea out there because it is so... I, I hear it all the time on forums and things about, you know, well, my dog's happy and social then you know, it's your problem if your dog isn't and and obviously working with clients that got dogs that can be reactive um you know frustrated plus m- my dogs are happy and social yeah but they don't approve of being slapped around the face no no or squished yeah but they or... gotta learn <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> and uh, that's you're another probably, conversation yeah <laughs> I, over the course of this podcast and long may it continue um you will hear this a lot from me but if there's one thing that i would love to get in the psyche of people i've probably got 20 hundred million things but (laughs) this would be one of them the idea that you know work on that recall work on it again and it, it says there yeah it's hard work it is hard work you know i think you know don't expect you're going to get a dog within six months you're going to have the best recall in the world it's not it goes it's ongoing you yeah. practice all the time you practice every day but practicing guess what practicing is fun when it comes to recall um you know if you haven't got a recall have your dog on a training line or a long line so they can't be practicing the things you don't want them to practice because all that stuff guess what is self-rewarding for your dog so yeah. if they run up to another dog and woohoo jump all over it and have fun the likelihood of it happening again goes through the roof and it and you're stuck in that circle and then you have to be an ignorant tool bag. Oh, well done. <laughs> well done. I don't know, you did. When someone calls you up and out there and say, oh, yeah, well, my dog's right, you know, that's just being lazy because you can't be bothered to either buy a training line and hold on to it because it can be a bit of a pain sometimes or or you can't be bothered to train your dog. And if you can't be bothered to train your dog, you shouldn't, shouldn't have, have one. Yeah. And yeah, I think... There, there's kind of a middle ground there as well because having the recall is one thing mm. but knowing when to recall your dog is yes. another so I, I think working like Zazie says working with a trainer what that can do is if you go if your dog is you know safe yeah. and, but playful um, and you go out on a walk with your trainer and your trainer can say you know 
at the moment it's appropriate play. Mm. Okay, it's tipping into not appropriate, not consensual. Yeah. Um, what are these dogs learning here? Your dog's learning to be a bully. The other dog's learning to be scared. So let's go and get him, or let's call him back, or let's really play in. styles marry up exactly. Yeah. And that's the kind of that's the that's the decider as to whether someone will call their dog back or not. So yeah. because someone could have a fantastic recall, but not see the problem with how their dog's interacting and therefore they're still creating the same issues. Um, but have the recall. Does that make sense? Yeah. Plus um, the fact you'd be doing me a favour because I love those kind of jobs where you just... Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can just talk about what's going on, the observation. and Yeah, I love that. I absolutely love that. Mm. They're the best in the world, those ones. And I think people get a lot out of that as well. It's, it's a really, really, yeah, it's a really nice little session when those happen. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's it. Yeah, you can tell I'm quite passionate about that one. But we all are. Dog trainers all yeah. behaviourists all, all over the land. It's uh, a good one. They really feel about that. Good pick, Steve-O. So that's my... Uh, GWM. Shall I do mine? GWM, Greg Wallace moment. Oh, yeah, get it. Um, Right, which is mine? Should we listen to your voice slow down? No. uh, (laughs) Shall I I try and do it? Um, Reminds me of a really funny joke about tortoises, I'll tell you later. (laughs) I've got a good one about a snail, actually, as well. Yeah. Um, Okay, so uh, my wow moment um, is kind of a. Okay, I'm just going to read it and then Go. I'll explain yep. it. So it's this, it talks about um, the, um, the genetics or between uh, domesticated dog breeds and wolves. And it says, Somewhere in the past, the common ancestors of today's wolves and dogs diverged to enable dogs to eat a much more human-like diet. Mm-hmm. And basically it's about the ability to digest starch and um, some of the uh, complex carbohydrates that we feed them in, in their food. And um, I'm not going to delve into nutrition because, one, I don't know enough about it, and, two, it's a surefire way to kick off a Facebook argument. So um, I won't be going there. It's a minefield. <laughs> it's a minefield. <laughs> um, but earlier on in the chapter, um, when um, Zazie is, is writing about the relationship that we have with our dogs and food, um, she kind of talks about the fact that the food is more than just feeding and nutrition and actually um it's the way that you feed your dog is about their place in in the family mm-hmm. and um you know some of us may have lost that whole sit round a table and have a meal cuz uh, you know we sit and eat beans on toast on our laps but <laughs> but essentially f- eating is a social activity and that's the same for dogs and i've just had lots of cases recently this is why it, it was my kind of wow moment because I thought wow that actually fits with some of the stuff I'm, I'm giving where the the bowl of food is plonked down just before everybody's leaving yeah. to go to work and before you know it the dog has been conditioned that actually my food going down means everybody leaves yeah. and um and so it can make a real difference to just be sat watching your dog eat not yeah. you know obsessively but just be present when yeah. your dog is eating and i wonder whether some of the um you know pack leader stuff has has maybe affected that free, because yeah, yeah there's that, that sense, whole you know mm. eat before your dog mm. but actually isn't it nice when we all sit down and and have some scoff together yeah. and i know that if i feed my dogs at the same time that i'm sitting and eating then we're all happy and no one's bothering anybody for for scraps I'm so do a call back to this bit later on because okay. part of my uh another little book slam moment 
quote that I've got actually covers this quite ah. well, which I thought was really nice. Have I ruined it? No, 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 okay. no, 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 no. If anything, you've uh, enhanced it, okay. Natalie. Okay, good. Um, what do you think people's issue with, with food? What's your opinion on that? Like the idea of this, you know, oh, well, I'm feeding them at puppy class. When do we stop feeding them? I How think, do you deal with that? Uh, well... Where, um, well, the answer is never because they'll they'll die. Um, but I think maybe it's a throwback to human society in the way that if you were good all week at school, you got to go to the sweet shop. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what I never thought about. And so way, we kind of think of things as being treats, like oh yeah, I went to the gym well, we today, so I'll have a well, sausage roll. Yeah, and yeah. actually, it's just it's just food, um, yeah. and it's a way of saying to our dogs, you know, well done. And, and also, I think it's a it goes into that idea that they they should just do it eventually, shouldn't they? Shouldn't they just do it? Shouldn't they because they yeah. love me? Shouldn't they? Yeah. You know. Yeah. I I can't just I find that one quite. I read something once about um, trying to get a teenager to tidy their room, mm-hmm. and um, I think that the common way is tidy room or I'll take something away. Yeah. Or tidy your room, or you're not going somewhere. Mm. Or tidy your room, and then we can have McDonald's for dinner. And then there was, you know, the the lesser trodden path, which is what we're trying to instill in our dog owners, which is um, encourage. And when it happens, Reinforce. leave a chocolate bar on the bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, not for dogs, not chocolate for dogs. Humans are I'm talking about teenagers. We really are rubbish at it. And so I think I think it's. I mean, I do it all day. I do vary in my human yeah. life, but I I just don't think about it. That's the problem. I, I there is a bit of a disconnect, and that's that's my personal issue. And when I do think about it, it changes the world around you, and it's it's amazing. And when you notice that it's happened as well, maybe accidentally or something, yeah. it's brilliant. But I absolutely. Why why are we so rubbish? I guess I guess it's just ingrained in us that punishment is sort of the way yeah. forward isn't it it's a, yeah. it's a human society thing and i think that's why it's drilled into us so much that then people you know um struggle to get their head around the the true concept of positive reinforcement yeah ah there you go another uh, yeah. big topic Indeed. yeah <laughs> one for another day tackling the big ones aren't we <laughs> <laughs> so there we go then greg wallace moments done indeed so Okay, so we were very lucky to um, have the opportunity to speak to Zazie, who was absolutely lovely. Yes. And uh, I've got a little bit to read about her here, just to give you a little bit of introduction. So uh, Zazie Todd is a social psychologist, uh, certified dog trainer, and founder of the popular blog Companion Animal Psychology, which we will put a link to because it's really good. It is awesome. Actually, since I've been, I'm guilty of um, before, uh, it was Nick again, double double drop name there. (laughs) Hi, Benja. <laughs> um, he he put us in contact with Zazie, and um, I hadn't heard of the Companion Animal Psychology blog until then. And since then, I've been an avid consumer. Yeah, it's, it's very good. It's awesome. Um, uh, so on, on that uh, blog, she writes about everything from training methods to the human-canine relationship. She also writes for a column, a column for Psychology Today, received the prestigious Captain Hegarty Award for the best training article in 2017. Ooh. She lives in Maple Ridge... With her husband, dog, and cats. There you go. So um, that's what her book says about her. And uh, now we're going to find out a bit more about her from her in our lovely interview. (laughs) So here we go. Here it comes. 
I actually forgot to say there that there is um we had the dreaded sign come up when we were recording the internet connection yeah. unstable. We were unstable for a um, while, weren't we? Yeah, so there is a bit of wibbling and wobbling in places. We Spot decided <laughs> we decided it wasn't it, it it wasn't bad enough to re-record or anything like that, and that we could still get the gist of what everyone was saying. Yeah. And it's only in a couple of places, but apologies for that. Um, blame uh, Talk Talk. Yeah. yeah, so sorry, ear holes. We'll post but... a link to the uh, complaints number for Talk Talk <laughs> in the show notes. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, your book is simply awesome. I've had my face in it for, uh, <laughs> well, for, well, ever since I got it. Two weeks. Must be about two weeks now. And we we get to be special people that read it before everybody else, which makes there us you feel go. Yeah. very, very, very lucky. So <laughs> thank, thank you. you. It's actually <laughs> the first you. advanced copy that we've had. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it, it did make us feel very special. It will be the first of many, I'm sure, because your podcast is so wonderful and such a brilliant idea, and I'm really excited to oh, chat with you. Thank you. <laughs> well, you've been you've been it's stolen an idea from you, really, because you've been doing book club for a while, haven't you? On your um, Facebook page, yeah. and your blog. Um, so you know, you know how exciting it is to read something that you want to pay forward, really, and now you get to do it with your name on it. <laughs> yeah that's that's really nice and I started my book club because I I love chatting about books and I wanted people to chat about animal books you know dog and cat books with so yeah and so then when I heard about your podcast I thought that is wonderful <laughs> we got introduced um through Nick Benger um who I believe you've you've done his podcast as well haven't you yeah I love Nick shout out to Nick he's Hi, a Nick. great dude Hi Nick. <laughs> we all love your podcast too. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I have already done a wee bio for you, so we don't have to do a, a kind of uh, where you've come from, what you've done, and all those sorts of things. But what we did want to ask you was, so so Wag, the science of making your dog happy. Um, what what made you want to write a book about all of it? I mean, it is a one stop shop. It's it's so good. I can't I can't even tell everyone, and I'm you know I'm not just saying this. It's so good. It was a lovely read and uh, really easy to read as well. But so what what made you want to want to put this out there? Oh, thank you. I was inspired by my own dogs, Ghost and Bodger, and really wanting to learn more about them and about canine science. And because my own background is in psychology, yeah. so there's a lot of similarities there, and that led me into wanting to learn more about dogs and how to make dogs happy and I think everybody wants their dog to be happy Um, there's nothing nicer than seeing a happy dog running around doing lots of doggy things Um, but unfortunately we know that not everybody has that experience when you look at the figures for dogs that die under the age of three behavior problems is the leading cause of death for dogs under the age of three and that's really sad and for those people that's obviously a heartbreaking end to what they thought was going to be a wonderful relationship and so I wanted to write something that would help people to have happy dogs that would teach people what dogs need because I think if you provide what dogs need they're going to be happier and they're less likely to have behavior problems so it's a science book but it's also full of practical tips for people to use in everyday life. 
What a lovely explanation. Yeah, I, we can end there. Yeah. That, that'll do. So go and buy it. Goodbye. <laughs> One of the bits that I love about it, after every chapter, there's there's a, we, we do a part of our, um, you might have heard it, a practical applications part of our uh, podcast where you can practically apply the things that we've we've learned from from the books. And every chapter ends with how you can apply this. And I, and I really love that little bit about it. That That's uh, invaluable, I think. Thank you. Yeah, it was really nice putting those together. And I thought it was more helpful for readers if they're separated at the end of the book. So you can read a chunk of science and what we know about dogs and what it tells us. And then at the end, there's practical tips that everybody can use. Um, And some people will be doing those already. And that's fantastic. They can say, yay, I'm doing well. Mm. And then there'll be other things that maybe they haven't tried yet. And they'll think, well, perhaps I can try this and see if it helps my dog or not. And I think I hope that will really help people. And it's not about being absolutely perfect because none of us are perfect. I'm not perfect. My dogs weren't perfect. I would like to say they were, but I have to be honest, they weren't completely <laughs> perfect. <laughs> but it's about doing the best that we can to make to make our dogs happy, you know, and to be a good good dog owner. It's such a, I mean, again, amazing book. What, so what would you say? Um, what makes dogs happy? That's a huge question. That is a huge question, It is Steve. a huge question. I mean, look at the size of the book. <laughs> Giving you an easy. (laughs) I do. Um, Yeah, I think reading this book will make dogs happy. Um, Their owners. Um, I think that uh, the headings are really, really interesting, and it's good that you split it down. So, I mean, how how did you start putting together this comprehensive list? Because I know if I was going to sit down and sort of start planning a book where where do you start it's like i'm fascinated in the process of how you include what you included and were there things that didn't make the cut and can you tell us a bit more about the the process it was well it is quite a big book and that's because i wanted to take people from the process of getting a puppy or getting an adult Mm. rescue dog right through until the end of a dog's life um and I think the challenges of owning a dog um, change throughout the dog's life. So if you've got a new puppy, you have to think about socialization and so on. But then that period is over by about 12 to 14 weeks and you're looking at ongoing learning from then. And then when you get a senior dog and my dog ghost wasn't so much a senior, but he, he was like a senior before his time because he had a lot of health issues. And you have different challenges because you have to start thinking about enrichment for a dog who maybe can't walk very far or can't Mm. walk as far as it used to. Um, and then of course, thinking about the end of a dog's life is the hardest part of owning a dog and everyone, I know that everyone finds that hard. That for me was the hardest part of the book to write. And obviously it's the hardest to talk about because I lost my dog Bodger just, just last week. Um, but I think it helps to know what to think about. And a lot of people get to that stage and they don't know what to expect and I wanted to include that because I think it's it's helpful to know beforehand before you get to the point where it's actually quite upsetting to think about and so then that gave me a whole load of different topics and I knew I wanted to write stuff about taking dogs for walks because I know that not as many people take their dog for a walk every day as you might think. If you're the kind of person who always takes your dog for a walk, like I used to take Ghost and Bodger for walks two or three times a day, but not everyone does that. Um, so I wanted to include a chapter on on that and why it's helpful and things that you can do if, if you're not that kind of person and something on enrichment because enrichment is so important. 
Um, so I tried to include all of these different things and it was difficult to fit it in. Obviously, some things didn't make the cut. I tried to include things that would be practical for everybody mm. to use, you know, think about what would be helpful for people to know. I love that, in fact, the, the section on the time for walkies, um, brilliant. Um, but uh, I love the, the there's a little quote in there about by letting dogs uh, do their own behaviours, sniff around, it's so important for their well-being. And I think... I think I'm always trying to tell that to our clients about, you know, just going for sniffy walks, explorey walks, especially with puppies, actually. The sort of walking that they should be doing in terms of, you know, I think everyone wants to do route marches a lot. You know, in, in England, we get a lot of people doing like the school run with their dogs and things along those lines. And, and I think your, your book goes a long way to telling people the kind of walks that you should be doing. That's, and that's really nice. I love that bit. Thank you. Yeah, the, the nose is so important to dogs, as we can see from how much time they like to spend sniffing. And it's very easy if you're doing an on-leash walk to just want to keep walking and to go at your pace, um, which may be too fast for the dog. And we might get a bit bored if the dog is just standing there sniffing for <laughs> ages. But if the point of the walk is to give the dog a good time and, and some exercise, then you want to let them sniff too. And I love the word sniffari. Yeah. Uh, I can't take <laughs> credit for it, but I, I really like that way of thinking of a, a walk as being taking your dog on the sniffari and giving them lots of time to sniff. And with ghosts, um, we used to give him lots of time to sniff. Walks would take ages, like really ages. We'd go a short distance and he would sniff like every single inch of grass. But he enjoyed it. You know, it made him happy. So it was worth doing. Yeah, I think I think that's a really um, hard concept sometimes. Because, yeah. you know, as, as part yeah. of a lot of follow-ups in the behaviour consultations I, I do, I end up going out for a walk with with my clients because sometimes the problems they're having are out on walks um and it really it always makes me laugh because um uh, you know maybe I am very lazy as well but some people walk so fast and I'm sort of struggling to keep up and so's the dog and um you know it's usually when there's a circular walk that we will do at a brisk pace for an hour and that's our walk um and I sometimes you know joke with them and say do you know what if I'd been here this long I pretty much wouldn't have even left the car park by now because (laughs) I would have been faffing around getting my treats ready the dogs would have you know found the the pee post that every dog that ever visits there has has been to um so i think it's it's really good to have it you know written down that that's the kind of walk that dogs enjoy but it's it's training it's real behavior patterns of people um where we fall into that that route march like steve says and um i literally have to sort of grab their hood sometimes i'm like slow down And the thing is, if it's the same route every day to us, it's just the same old walk. It's yeah. the same, same old, same old. But to the dog, it all smells different because they know which other dogs have been by. They can smell who's been there and if they smell the same as they did before or not. And so it's different yeah. for them. Yeah. I've had a really good week this week, actually, because quite often I, I see people walking their dogs and we, you know, either they're in a hurry or whatever it might be but they, you know you see the dogs stop to, uh, stop to sniff and then they'll give them a little jerk to mo- like move them on but this week I've seen I've seen loads of people sort of engaging with their dogs even doing like loose lead walking training as they're walking along I've seen one of my clients doing it and they didn't know that I was watching wow. as I drove past which was awesome Secret squirrel. that was great <laughs> uh, yeah and um but uh, yeah I've had a really good week of seeing people really engaging with their dogs out on walks just driving around and just 
and just watching people and it's been really nice it's given me a lot of hope because sometimes you see things and the, yeah you're just like oh just let the dog have a sniff mm. you know they don't want to sniff the post let them sniff the post you know? <laughs> <laughs> i think but i think it what's really nice is there is a lot of hope i think people are paying more attention to their dogs and yeah. to what dogs need and more attention to using reward-based training methods than ever before. And I think these are all really positive things. And then there are also lots more good sources of information than there used to be. Yeah. So if people want to find good info, they can they can look and find it. And, and I think that's really promising. It gives me a lot of hope in this industry. It really does. It really, really does. There's, a, 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 again, another really great part of the book um, when we talk about the social dog. So uh, your chapter on the social dog um, and how dogs play different play styles. There's a brilliant quote at the beginning of it uh, by Mark Beckoff. Beckoff? Mm -hmm. Beckoff? I'm not sure how you pronounce his name. I'll have to look that up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But playtime generally is safe time. I like that. That's really, really nice. And and you talk about how dogs will or should like handicap themselves in order to to have play carry on. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, um, I love that quote from Mark. Beckoff, Beckoff. I'm sorry, I'm not sure. <laughs> I will check on that. I have to ask. Does he doubt ourselves? Um, but he's, he's done so much work on dog play and he writes a lot about the importance of dog play and it's lovely. I think I love watching dogs play. So if good. you're not used to seeing dogs play though, it can sometimes feel a bit scary because you get growling, you get biting at, it's not proper bites, it's it's handicap bites with, with bite inhibition. But if you don't know what it's like for dogs to play it can look quite scary especially if you have the kind of dog who is a bit rough in play because some some dogs are maybe i mean ghost wars maybe siberian huskies can be a bit it it really depends and some dogs are a lot more gentle um and it helps to know what play looks like so that's why i wanted to include that section in the book and the thing about play is play is a normal behavior for dogs and there are different reasons why play has developed we still don't fully understand why but certainly it's important for developing motor skills for acquiring bite inhibition amongst puppies Um, it seems to help with social cohesion and dogs enjoy it it's fun Um, and over here on this side of the pond dog parks are kind of a bit controversial amongst some people Um, and these are places where you can take your dog to run around with other dogs and if you have a sociable dog then it's a really great place to be able to take your dog i think in in england there are many more places where dogs can be off lead and just run around with other dogs so you don't need it as same kind of thing (laughs) yeah but it's it's really nice for sociable dogs to get that kind of opportunity Um, And I always say that people should look for puppy class if they have a puppy, they should get a puppy class where there is some kind of play that takes place as part of the class, but supervised play so that the the trainer and their assistants are paying attention to whether or not all the dogs are happy and they're protecting any shy dogs and, and separating shy from boisterous puppies so that everyone is having a good time. And then the puppies can learn those social skills because they'll probably need them later on in life. Even if you're not planning to be a dog park person and take your dog about, there are other dogs everywhere. So it really helps to help them to develop those those good social skills. Yeah, I think play is so important. I've certainly seen with, with Draxy Dog. I don't know if you've seen... Um... 
my rescue page for Drax, um, an Irish wolfhound that I've taken yeah. on. And he basic his progress basically massively fast forwarded um, when he started to play with with the other dogs in the house and it was amazing and I don't think we'd be as far along as we had if he if he wasn't able to galump along because of all the all of the endorphins that it releases all of the confidence that it builds um you know I can get involved so I'm kind of you know seeking in and pretending to be part of it or hoping I'm desperately part of it. <laughs> <laughs> love- That's really nice. <laughs> One of the things that we do, we, we do a puppy conversation session every week, and it's basically it's puppy socialisation. And I, I get to, I, I'm lucky enough to be paid to basically narrate a load of puppies playing. I mean, it's a bit more involved than that. Obviously, we we split them down into two groups. We make sure it's purposeful, positive experiences for all of the dogs. But it is the, it's my, it's the best time of my week. I love it. You, you see all of the owners beaming and you see all of the dogs learning. And you, I could watch it for hours. It's I could, that I could... lovely moment when you see a quite shy puppy suddenly go, yeah. oh, it's all right. Yeah. And then they run off into <laughs> the sunset with their new best friend like if you could bottle that there's another side of this as well which uh, another quote from your book here but uh, I love this bit Uh, this is how to apply the science at home at the end of the social dog section Um, if your dog likes to play but has poor play skills don't let them bully or irritate other dogs and then you go on to say about working with a trainer to help them develop better play skills I think that's a really important part of it i mean you you were saying about dog parks versus what we've got over here in england and i think one of the things that we do struggle with sometimes is people just letting their dog approach any dog you know at any point and you know being a bit bullyish or you know people haven't got their dog with a great recall maybe they're not using training lines or something along those lines and that i think that's something that i I love to see that in the book because i think that's really really important Mm. Thank you. Yeah, I think it it can be a challenge. And I think every dog owner has that moment when they think they've got a great recall and they they discover that actually it's not as good as they thought. And that can be really embarrassing. So these things do happen by accident sometimes. But um, yeah, it is really important to make sure that you don't let your dog misbehave and jump all over other people or other dogs who who don't want it. Um, I mean, you love your dog. They don't necessarily know your dog. You don't know what's going on in their life. It is important it's just part of being a responsible dog owner yeah and uh, the thing about bodger bodger was a herding dog and um i live in an area with uh lots of dogs that are just sometimes allowed to run loose and there used to be a dog that lived down the street that was a great friend of his but bodger being a herding dog he would he it was a massive massive dog like a mountain type dog but Bodger would sometimes put the dog in the ditch and then not let the dog out. <laughs> so he had great fun herding, but I would have to call him off so that he would let the other dog come out of the ditch and continue getting on with things. He was having the best day ever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was. <laughs> he was. <laughs> but it's important, you know, that people need to know when to when to intervene. When and again, your book does a does a great way of explaining play styles and when you should intervene. And uh, and I think it's one of the most important things we should know as dog owners. Yeah, I think so. So if if we're watching play, some of the things that we might expect to see are a really lovely play face, which is a really happy face. It's beautiful to see that on a dog. And we would expect to see the play bow. Uh, there's a, a section in the book about research on the play bow. Um, yeah, what that, that was interesting. And, 
Yeah, there's been some really interesting research on that. So that's when the front paws go down and the bum is up in the air. Um, and then another thing we'd expect to see is some kind of turn taking. So you don't have one dog chasing determinedly after the other dog all of the time. You would expect some kind of change in behavior or an activity or the change in roles so that the other dog starts chasing. And you would also see self-handicapping, which a lovely example is if you see a big adult dog playing with a little tiny puppy. And obviously the big dog could romp all over the puppy if they wanted to, but they won't. They'll self-handicap. They might even lie down in order to play. Um, and it looks really cute and really sweet. It's lovely, but it's, it's, yeah, it's a really nice thing to see. Gru is a master of that, my big shaggy he lurcher. <laughs> he's he's so sweet. He would, and he'll lie down really gently and go, see, I'm not that tall. And then the little puppy can come over and say hi. It's very, very Aww. sweet. And a, re- a really good skill. Really good skill. He is the master. He <laughs> certainly is. It's because of his Mr. Miyagi beard. <laughs> um, another thing that's coming up a lot, um, especially... Um, with all of the cases that I'm seeing at the moment is children and dogs. And I think in, in, uh, in your book, again, a brilliant section on children and dogs. Um, I love the fact that there's a, there's a part in it about supervising interactions. Cause I think we, we, we've got a long way to go. I think with people understanding what they should do with children and dogs and why as professionals, we advise these kind of things. I call it active supervision. Um, mm. You know, and I think you say you should be close enough, you know, to be able to intervene at any point. And it's so, so important because, you know, things can go wrong quite quickly. Yeah, unfortunately, children are at particular risk of dog bites, especially young children. And the thing is, people tend to let their guard down when the dog is familiar. And there's some research that actually shows this, that people are less likely to intervene when the dog is familiar compared to if the dog was a strange dog. And that's really unfortunate because that means that children are being put at risk. And um, one particular scenario where we have to be especially careful with young children is if a dog is sitting down or lying and resting. Um, it's really important not to let children approach that dog because yeah. that's been shown to be a significant Um, whereas we can teach the child instead to to call the dog to them um, and that's that's a much better way of them interacting and another thing that's really important is having a safe space where the dog can go and just get away from things if they want to Um, so a safe space where if things are a bit noisy the dog can can just go and be quiet and the child either can't get there or knows that they're not allowed to go there so the dog can just have somewhere peaceful to be and again that will help to reduce stress in situations from the dog's point of view and that means that a bite is is less likely and it's really important because dogs can be wonderful friends to children but we need to protect both the child and the dog and make sure that the relationship is working for both of them yeah yeah really really important really and and also having like stair gates and and little places you know places that you can know that the dog's safe in one place and the kids are safe in another place and all mm. of that stuff as well is so important yeah absolutely and a lot of people do that but um so they have like ways of separating and when there are moments when you're not able to supervise closely or closely enough which means being close enough to intervene if something happens not like on the other side of the room if something starts to go wrong you can't necessarily run over and get there fast enough um so that's really important too and i think because we know that dogs are our friends um so we just let our guard down and 
when we see pictures on the internet of dogs and children together many of them they just make my hair stand on end oh my goodness <laughs> yeah i know yeah really new interactions but unfortunately sometimes you can see the signs of stress and some of the signs of stress that people might miss might be as simple as licking the lips or looking away or maybe yeah. they get up and they try to move away but the child goes with them mm. so they can't actually get away um, and it's really important to to pay attention to those signals and and to intervene to do something if if needed i remember reading some research as well about um children under the age of five I think it was and how they interpret a a, a kind of snarl or a, a grimace from a dog um, and they see it as a smile and you know not that we should be leaving things to escalate to that point um, but it's it's really interesting how how you know what would be obvious to us as a signal that the dog is uncomfortable um, isn't necessarily seen in the same way in in different aged humans um, so yeah I, I love that um, active supervision and you you know it's not I think most people now understand you don't leave them alone but I also mm. think that just being in the same room isn't enough you know if you're on your phone or you're chatting yeah. to your friend or um, you're cooking tea that's that's not kind of active enough yeah yeah I totally agree with that mm. Yeah, it, it's so important to have active supervision, and it, it makes it sounds like sound like children and dogs are not a good combination. And I think it's important to say there are some things about having children and dogs in the same household that are brilliant and work out really well. And f from the dog's point of view, even simply having a routine, because a child means that you have a routine, and that kind of routine is good for the dog too. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. You you just have to make sure that everything is safe. And I think people have really high hopes of the relationship between a dog and a child. And they maybe aren't quite as aware of how careful they need to be to just to ensure, especially with small children, that everything is safe. In this generation of sort of uh, Instagram and everything and everyone wanting to get pictures as well, I just I would always just say, look, you know, that picture of your dog lying next to your baby or toddler, you know, is it, you know, potentially, you know, things could go wrong there. I mean, it's testament to dogs that, you know, this must happen all the time and nothing does happen. But, you know, you you always feel like you need to just err on the side of caution with these things. Yeah. it's, it's mm, dogs, dogs are so tolerant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah. Yeah. But I know I do it as well. Um, I haven't got kids, but um, my dogs keep me busy enough. But <laughs> when it's a lovely day and I want to get a picture of all four of them, because Drax is at home, you know, Lord of the Manor asleep. Um, and I want to get a picture of all four of them and they're getting frustrated and I'm getting frustrated because I can't get the face. So I get it. I completely get it. And then I mean, you just have to give up and walk away sometimes. <laughs> That would be my advice. <laughs> or use Photoshop. Photoshop, yeah. Another thing that I wanted to talk to you about um, is food. Now, uh, you, I think you've, uh, you've done well to tackle the food issue because I think it's a bit of a minefield. Um, and uh, uh, again, brilliant information in the book. But I, I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about uh, food and treats and and the sort you know well basically just, just just tell us about the things that you put in the book i found that section really interesting to write and the 
one of the fast things about dogs and food is how much it says about our relationship with dogs and the way in which we see dogs as part of the family. And so people make choices that suit them as and, and that reflect their, their own lifestyle. So whether they prefer to feed raw food or cook food or feed kibble or canned food, um, everyone has their own way of feeding a dog. And I should add, I'm not a vet, so I can't give advice on nutrition sure. for your dog. But um, one of the things I found fascinating is the research about how dogs have have evolved able to digest wheat so it's perfectly okay if that's in the food that we're feeding them unless the vet has said otherwise um, and one of the things that really shocked me when I was writing the book was about figures for being overweight and how many dogs are overweight and the effect that that has on the dog's lifespan and I have to be honest for part of his life Bodger was overweight and we had to help him to lose weight <laughs> um, but that really shocked me so I think for a neutered male German Shepherd, if they are overweight, they live five months less than if they've been a normal weight. Wow. Gosh. And research also said that for a neutered male Yorkshire Terrier, they live two and a half years less if they're really? overweight. Oh, my goodness. Compared to if they were a normal weight. And that really shocked me. Yeah. Um, because dogs don't live long enough anyway. Yeah. So if if you're worried about your dog being overweight, the thing to do is to speak to your vet. Um, because they will tell you if they are or not, and they will give you some advice on that. But what was really interesting to me was also that psychological factors play a role. So it, because food is such an important part of our interactions with dogs. So if if you have an overweight dog and you want to reduce their food intake, it's important to have other things that will fill that space instead of like just always giving something from your plate. And we often gave budget food from our plate yeah. um, because he loved it. Yeah. <laughs> he would come and sit and ask for it. And of course we give it to him. <laughs> um, but that you're used to doing then, then you maybe need to find other things like training or playing tug or something like that to, to fill that time and to, to still be an important part of your relationship. So the psychology of it was something that I found especially interesting. It is really interesting, and you bring up a, a, another another great point about vets asking your vet. Um, there's a, a brilliant section in the book about uh, vets grooming, um, all of those things that dogs are going to have to be uh, be uh, happy with when they're going through their lives. Um, I know this is something that Nat feels I strongly love, about. I love sort of husbandry tasks and vet visits mm -hmm. and doing doing training for. For dogs to be happy in those situations and I am probably a nightmare for my vets <laughs> but I have very you know strict plans of how I want the consult to go and what's okay and when we have a break um uh, because I'm my you know I feel like I'm my dog's voice so uh, and I want them to have as good a time as possible when they're being poked and prodded um so it's really good to see uh, a section of that in the book because um I think that sometimes, um, you know, vets are doing such a wonderful job on the medical side of things that yeah. and they're so busy, you know, poking and prodding to find out what's wrong um, that that um, it's not as good an experience as it could be um, with a, a bit more thought, maybe. Mm, I think this is something that's becoming quite a, a big change, and especially with the fear-free movement, so yeah. fear-free vet visits. Um, and I write in the book about how Bodger was terrible 
terrified of them um, the first times we took him because um, we adopted him when he was two and a half. So we didn't know his history before that, but he really hated going to the vet. Yeah. And um, Ghost was quite poorly quite often. He had cancer quite soon after we first adopted him. And so every time we took Ghost to the vet, we also took Bodger. Obviously, I asked the vet if this was okay. Nice, <laughs> he yeah. said yes. Um, and so Bodger came too. And all that happened to Bodger was that he sat there and got lots of treats and yeah. got used to being in the vet environment and nothing bad ever happened to him. And so we gradually got him used to going to the vet. It's such a big difference, um, not just to him, but also to me, because yeah. it's so stressful when you have to take a dog who is terrified. Yeah. Um, and it's a bit embarrassing and you feel bad for the vet too. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah having to interact with this dog that's that's growling at them and the dog's perfectly entitled to growl um, yeah. and growling is a, a useful warning signal. So I think it makes a really big difference. And one of the things that people can do is practice husbandry things, especially in puppy class. Uh, let's also have classes where you can practice those things with puppies and make sure that puppies' first visits to the vet are really positive experiences. But even if you have an older dog like I did with Bodger, there is a lot that you can do to train your dog and to get them used to going to the vet. And it's because dogs have to go to the vet anyway, it's it's kind of life changing. Yeah. 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 And you're right about the, the stress for us as well, because you just, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to keep a brave face, but it, I, I don't want anything to be wrong with my dogs. You know, I want them to have a good time. So it is, it's stressful, whatever happens, really. So the more you can make it into a fun time for your dog, then that has a knock-on effect on how, certainly how I feel about it anyway. Um, and my vets have been great. So it's it's brilliant finding a, a vet that's happy to work with you on that. And I think you're really right. It is a, a growing sort of trend now that... Um, vet practices are becoming a bit more behaviorally savvy which is is good to see it's amazing mm. i yeah, have it, i have it, an interesting side of this because i do puppy classes and one of the classes in my six weeks is entitled handling uh, spend a bit mm. of time save a lot of stress and it's the one class i'll be honest uh where you sort of look around the room and everyone's kind of thinking, well, do we really need to do this? My dog yeah. loves being cuddled, you know? And, and I think, I think as a concept, the husbandry thing is, is it's the front line of what we need to get through to puppy owners, because I, I think that, that you talk about people saying the word fine. Mm. Nat's got mm. an issue with the word fine, which, which has given <laughs> me an issue with the word fine. You know, my dog's fine at the vets. My dog's fine with fireworks. And and how you know how fine are they? Just because they're not vocalising or maybe acting out, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean they are fine. And you can put this work in early, well, especially with puppies early on. That means you know it pays dividends massively in the future. It really does. I think the the time when you have a puppy, it's a a very special time and it's a very important time uh, to do all kinds of things, and and that gives you a big responsibility to have kind of. It feels like a checklist of things that you have to tick off, except the thing is that you have to make them all positive experiences. Yeah. It's not mm. about forcing the puppy to have these things happen. It's about encouraging them instead and making sure they're happy and having a positive time. And research shows that that will really help them grow up to be a happy, friendly, confident and they actually have bad experiences when they're young. Conversely, that that's going to potentially 
cause them to have a few issues later on. So it's a big responsibility to do the right thing. And I think going to a good puppy class is a really great start. And there's some research that shows that people who go to puppy class are more likely to use positive reinforcement. They do a better job of socializing their puppy to other people and other dogs, for example. And although this is correlational data, so it could be obviously that different kinds of people pick puppy class than those who don't. I think for one thing, there are the people and other puppies in the class, but also the trainer is teaching you things like you're teaching people things in, in your puppy class. And so it, people learn more about how to care for their puppy. And I think it's so important for, for the dog's later life. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Setting the foundations, isn't it? I agree. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Dazzy, yes. <laughs> So I think we'll wrap it up now, if that's okay. Um, I, I, well, I can't sing the praise of this book enough. Um, when, uh, so, so what's the official release date? Oh yeah, we're, when we're are gonna... we? Because our when's our podcast going out? When it's ready, isn't it? Yeah. So, so we're holding off till the eighth of March. Is that right? Yes. Thank you. The book itself will be in bookstores in the US and Canada from the tenth of March. And in the UK from the 12th of March. Perfect. Oh, amazing. Perfect. So you guys will be hearing this when it's actually uh, almost ready for release. So that'll yeah. be great. So wag the science of making your dog happy. Go out and uh, pre-order. Yeah, you can pre-order. Yeah. If you um, listen to this after release date, just go yeah, and buy just it. Yeah, go and get fine. it. It's, it's so <laughs> Thank good. Thank you. It is so, so good. There's so much information in there. And uh, your uh, companion animal psychology uh, blog and Facebook page as well. People should go and check that out. Yeah, definitely. That's brilliant. I've I've been following it and it's it's great. It's um, lovely. Are you coming over to the Thank UK to, to see us at any point? So are you coming to do a book tour or anything? I don't have anything planned at the moment. I would love to come. I haven't actually been back to the UK for a few years now, so I feel like I'm overdue for a visit. So I would love to come sometime. Ah, I remember. You, <laughs> yeah. went to, um, you went to Southampton, Southampton University, didn't you? That's correct. Yes, I did my undergrad at Southampton. I love Southampton. Ah. That's where I studied as well. I did zoology. Ah, cool. Yeah. I mean, I didn't study there, but I went around quite a few of the local pubs <laughs> and clubs. <laughs> maybe, same thing. Maybe around the same sort of time. Yeah, same, same thing. <laughs> oh, well, we uh, we should have to try and arrange something. Yeah. We do, we're we're going to do Barks from the Bookshelf conference. <gasps> and you, Fantastic. We'd love to have you on the bill. So I would love to come. Watch this space and we'll, yeah, we'll be in touch. Awesome. Thank you. Well, thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Azzy, and good luck with all the, the the book sales and everything. And we'll be we'll be definitely promote it from from our side. So um, thank you so much for speaking to us. It's been a pleasure. It's been a real pleasure. It's been really fun chatting with you, and thank you for all you do. And I love your podcast. I love the other ones that you've done before, and I'm going to keep listening. So oh, thank, thank you very you. much. <laughs> Hooray! Can't see me, but I'm blushing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye. All right. Thank you. Bye. Hi. me. Excellent. She was lovely. She was lovely, and hopefully, it wasn't too Dalek-y for you all, and you got the idea i'm formatting a plan where uh we just get to move in with all the people that we interview yeah is that possible well i keep mentioning this box on the bookshelf conference and i, I know, think that's the dream yeah it is the dream that is the dream I'm just priming them all for it when we finally get time to Ooh. do it you heard it here first folks uh thank you Zazie. yeah thank Again. you very much you're amazing um 
So let's move on to book slam moments. Uh, so quotes, big quotes, quotesy, quotesy, quotes. Okay, right, mine, you got one? Yeah, I've got one. Mine's silly. Go on then. Just because we all know how much I, I love um, buying my dog's things. And so even though there is so much lovely information in here, Zazie, so I hope I'm not doing you a disservice, <laughs> but my book slam moment is make sure your dog has comfy beds to sleep in. <laughs> There we go. There we go. Right, talk amongst yourselves. I've got to look mine up. Hang on a minute. <laughs> I've actually got two. Um, do I do all of them or do I do? Should I do both? Yeah, no. go Shall for I? it. So I do both. Yeah. Well, first of all, is actually the first one is actually it's quite a long one and it's a quote not from Zazie. It's a quote from Naomi Harvey, who's a PhD research fellow in the School of Veterinary Medicine and Science at the University of Nottingham. Oh, nice. Where Robin Hood lives. Indeed. Um, so here it is, and this actually talks to a lot of the things that we've discussed today. So. Proper socialisation and habituation when young. This simply cannot be emphasised enough. Careful, positive exposure to all of the aspects of the human world they can expect to encounter as adults can greatly reduce their fearfulness when uh, when adults and help your dog to be emotionally stable and cope with the world it will live in. An important aspect of this is getting them used to vet clinics by visiting regularly for simple weight checks and rewarding them whilst there, habituating them to traffic and the sounds of parties and fireworks, etc. Appropriate socialisation with different types of people, children, and dogs again conducted carefully to ensure a positive experience will also help your dog to cope with the social world and be better adjusted for its life course wow that is That's comprehensively good, book slammy i'm not gonna book slam yet because i've got one okay. more hang on Sorry. and i'm, and I'm par- winging do a partial closure i'm winging right the way back to page three page three i said didn't i hang on Learn to count, Steve. Here we go. Yeah, page three. <laughs> so this is Zazie herself. So I think this is a, this is a good way to end. Um, and again, it talks back to things. So this is this is um, her talking about when she was younger. Uh, here we go. I kept being puzzled by things I read about dogs or saw on TV. Your dog was not supposed to go in front of you on a walk, except Ghost was a sled dog, and they had to be in front of a sled or they couldn't pull it. You had to eat before your dog, but that wasn't convenient, as it suited our routine to feed the animals first. You should be able to take things like bones out of your dog's mouth. Well, that just seems stupid. Ghost had big teeth, and I wasn't about to risk finding out what they might do. Besides which, he was agreeable when it came to swapping things. If I wanted the ball back, he would gladly trade it for some treats. Why be confrontational when you don't need to be? Aww. Here we go, ready? Ready. Excellent. Excellent That's lovely, Zazie. Couldn't like say it better myself. No, indeed. And I often don't. <laughs> <laughs> so um right so we got a new section we started last we week have. we got my little i don't know if anyone noticed i did post a picture of it in the uh in the facebook group um in praise of dogs a lovely po- little book from the 40s poetry corner haven't we now um i'll give this a bit of context uh just when we interviewed uh Zazie, which was a couple of weeks back now yeah um i had just lost my older dog scooby yeah. and also Zazie had lost uh her dog bodger as well um, so I found a poem, a lovely poem. Don't you know? Are you going to make cry? us all cry? <laughs> well, this is why I'm glad cry. you're reading it out because I'd be, I'd sound like my slowed down voice. Oh, I hate you know what? I think I'm really bad at reading things out, and now suddenly I've put myself on a podcast where I read things out all the time. So <laughs> if I if I hash it up, I do apologize. No, you'll everyone. be fine. So this is by um, Rudyard Kipling, who oh. makes exceedingly good cakes as well as writes, apparently, doesn't he? <laughs> Multi-talented. I've been held on to that for a week, that joke. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Have you said it already to in Corinne? Head, oh, lot, right, no. just in your head, okay. In my head a lot, yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Right, okay, this is called Four Feet. 
I have done mostly what most men do and pushed it out my mind, but I can't forget if I wanted to, four feet trotting behind. Day after day, the whole day through, wherever my road inclined, four feet said, I'm coming with you, and trotted along behind. Now I must go by some other round, which I shall never find, somewhere that does not carry the sound of four feet trotting behind. Dark. <laughs> don't cry I'm not crying there was something in my eye there's quite a few in here that are quite tear yeah but yeah I thought that was lovely that was lovely what a lovely thing to, I've been to, to Roger Kipling's house to, really yeah it's a National Trust property I would massively it? recommend it do you know what I can't remember I think it's somewhere down in Hampshire yeah I don't know, no, I think it's down um Brighton-y sort of okay. that kind of way it's not massive it's a, it's a tiny it little a blue plaque yeah, it's got to be Shut up. <laughs> I'm not giving any context to that. Okay. <laughs> I'll tell you what it has got. What? In the entrance hall, right, um, there's a there's a fish. I think it's, a, it's, it's like a statuette of a fish. And you can turn it one way and you can turn it another way. And apparently... Um, it was it was as a sign for people when they entered the house. If someone was there that the whole family thought was annoying, you turned the fish one way so that when you walked in, if the fish was facing right, you could just turn around and walk back out again. Oh my god, that's amazing! <laughs> if Jeff was there from yeah, down the road, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it had that obviously, you yeah. know, you looked at the Jungle Book stuff and all that sort of, and it's just uh, absolutely amazing. I highly recommend it. That sounds like a lovely day out, oh, Steve. There you go. Thank you <laughs> for the recommendation. <laughs> that's okay. You can go there. Say yeah. Steve sent you. Oh, I will. <laughs> so that's it then. It is. That is the end of another episode. Flies by. It Thank you so by. much for joining us again. Um, thanks for all the lovely comments and things people have said. It's been blooming marvellous. Um, do share and write reviews on things. It really, really helps us out. Um, and just can continue interacting on the facebook page love it big shout out to everyone big shout out to greg on the facebook page oh yeah hi greg greg we love you um and yeah so uh, we have uh well next episode it's a bit of a a bit of a milestone for us isn't it yeah it is good lord good lord if we get through the interview without fainting from fangirl and fanboy (laughs) it's a definite it's a definite bucket list moment uh so next episode we're interviewing who Gene Donaldson. Gene Donaldson. Ah! So hold on to your hats, ladies and gentlemen, and we will see Hopefully you. Hopefully we won't sound too stupid. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that ship sailed a long time ago. For me, but, you know, I just but it's part of my charm. Indeed. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. Atoms collide, our cells divide, just like they've always done. A spark of life, we multiply this ride, it's just begun. Here at the end of a line That stretches back through all time Time Guided by a primal desire To simply survive Survive
And it won't be kept out 